All right, happy Friday and welcome to From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home to design, architecture, yoga, meditation, and travel. I've created this podcast as a place to come for design inspiration and especially to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach. I am your host, Katerina Boronova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. We have a very fun episode today because I am here joined with Jesse, my husband, who is going to be interviewing me for a change, and I don't think I've ever been interviewed for a podcast, so I'm very excited to see how this goes. And we're just going to kind of check in with how I've been doing with my studying and just kind of just have a nice little conversation because this is the last podcast for a few weeks because I'll be taking a small hiatus while we go for our trip to Belize. We're also going camping. And so just kind of a well-deserved break, I think. So, Jesse, I'm going to turn the tables over to you. All right. Hey, everybody. Glad to see everybody back. We are excited, excited for Belize coming up two weeks from yesterday. So getting ready for it. And I am honored to interview Katerina today for everyone here. And I think I have some insightful questions. So oh boy. <laughs> All right, so Katerina, what's something you're grateful for? So in this moment, I think just thinking about, which I'm sure we're going to dive into, is how this week went, is I am very grateful for my health. I know in the last week's episode, I talked about how good I feel and, well, disclaimer, this week was not what I thought it was going to be, especially coming off of last week's episode where I felt like, given the stress of my exams and how I'm coping with it this time around, I thought I was doing a really good job and that was not the case. So I think, yeah, I think just grateful for my health, grateful for listening to my body when I knew something was wrong taking care of myself and really giving myself grace and just letting myself also sleep a lot this week because I slept so much and I think my body needed that. So there's a couple things, but that's what I'm grateful for. What about you? I am grateful for the week being over. Really hustled hard this week to get my work, my company I manage into a point where I can step away for a couple of weeks. And beginning of the week, I didn't think I was going to get there, but really, really hustled hard, really pushed. And I feel like I'm ready to, I'm ready to be able to take a break and then not have to worry about the company, but sort of hand it over to the family, manage while I'm gone. And so I'm grateful that I was able to get through that. Good. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. That's the That's the All right, so first question. Okay. How many days until the exam? From today? From today. From today when we record the episode 10, from the day it airs and everybody's listening to this, three. Nice. How has this week been, one, from what you expected and two, the reality of it? And where, where are you today? Complete 180. And I just realized too, for any new listeners, what exam I'm talking about. I should probably talk about 
what exam I'm taking. And so just kind of quick summary, I'm sure if you've listened to other episodes, you've heard me talk about my architecture exams. And so in the United States, to become a licensed architect, not only do you have to go through a five-year program, through an accredited program, and I have an episode about this, it's What Does an Architect Actually Do?, which is a very popular episode that dives deeper into it. But there's also six exams that cover nationwide the licensure process, and most exams are about a 40% pass rate. And I've passed five, I have one more, and then because we live in the state of California, I have one more. So that's kind of just a background on these exams. But to answer your question about how did I think this week would go compared to especially recording last week's episode, which aired today um, as we're recording this episode, is I thought I was doing everything right as far as how I was approaching studying, taking my time, If I didn't feel like it or didn't feel like I had the energy to study and learn and absorb the information, then I just wouldn't study. And instead, I would do something else to like help for the next day. So I would prep my breakfast or prep my lunch or snacks or anything I could do, or I would really try to relax. And I thought I was doing all of that right because previous exams, I've had headaches. Last year, I had multiple headaches that came from exams. So I really thought I was coping with my stress very well. Work has been very stressful as well. I have multiple deadlines before our trip to Belize, two days before, or two days after my exam. So no, this week did not go as planned because again, as I thought as I thought I was doing everything right, I ended up, and I might cry. I know, I didn't think I'd cry, but I have a box of tissues. <laughs> Oh, it's so emotional. I cried all of Tuesday too. I ended up going to urgent care and then having to go to the hospital for an ultrasound. I'm gonna record that twice, but yeah, I ended up going to urgent care and the hospital to get an ultrasound. I don't think I can get through that without crying. So probably none of you would know, except for probably family listening that Katarina does not go to the doctor, I mean, ever. Except for, um, like, yearly checkups, but... Yeah, they, like, so, and she has never, in her adult life, has never been to urgent care, went to urgent care once as a, as a child. So when she says she went to urgent care, that's a significant thing. Like, she, she was in a lot of discomfort, and probably only through me pushing... You know, even agree to go to urgent care. That's just that's just not her thing, anyway. So I'll turn it back to you. No, and that's very true. Like this was that's why I think I'm also emotional about it because the last time. Oh, and then I guess I should share the results of it. I'm I'm okay. It was an ovarian cyst, which is the only time I've ever gone to the ER as an adult. As I mentioned, as a kid, I went to urgent care, and I think I did go to the ER something with my teeth. But as an adult, the only time I'd ever gone to the ER was because I had an ovarian cyst at the end of my first year of college with all the stress. And I was also drinking a lot of soy milk at the time because soy milk was very popular. I'm lactose intolerant. And so just that's the last time I ever went to the urgent care or to the emergency room. And for some reason, the same time, I just had this feeling like something was just off. And, you know, sometimes you have some cramping and or, you know, gas or whatever it is. But this time there was definitely something that felt off. And so... 
ended up urgent care, sent us to ultrasound. Following day, I went and got an ultrasound. And within a few hours, the nurse practitioner, who was amazing, shout out to Monica at Mission Heritage. <laughs> she was amazing. She was really, really sweet. She followed up. She answered a bunch of my questions. But it, yeah, I have a, a little cyst on one of my ovaries. So, which probably came from stress. Actually, I, I would diagnose it. And I think Monica even agreed it was a stressful mm-hmm. thing. And so, and another thing to add to this week, because it's been just like the randomest of weeks, is that happened Tuesday and Wednesday. We haven't even shared what happened Monday. <laughs> Do you even remember what happened Monday? So these exams are about three to four hours long. And <laughs> yeah, you know, no. you remember. Ah, uh, yes, it's been a long week. Today's Friday. And so that, yeah, urgent care was Tuesday. Wednesday was ultrasound. And on Monday, we had an idea. And this was an idea we kind of toyed with I think it was about two years ago when NCARB, which is the National Committee of Architect Registration Board, if that's correct. Anyway, they're the ones who facilitate the tests, who provide the tests, who I pay annual fees to for my license. And they changed the testing around to where once you go for your break, they'll freeze any question you ever saw. Previously, you could go to the bathroom and come back. Obviously, you weren't allowed to check your phone or anything because you were at at testing centers, but you could go back and double check questions if you weren't sure. Now they freeze them if you go for your break because what they do now is they also do at-home tests, which means they don't know if when you're at home and you leave your screen, which someone is watching you take the test, which I will be doing actually. So then they wanted to make it fair is once you leave the test to go take a break, everything's frozen. So then I started toying with the idea right about a year and a half ago. I was like, well, what if I put wore an adult diaper on and see how that would go? And then just because I don't need to go and take a break to eat during these exams or three to four hours. I think the longest is four and a half hours. Like you can kind of just like push through and I usually don't go for a, a a water break or anything. Mostly it was just like a bathroom break and kind of just regroup because you know you have the break. But now that you can't go back and look at your questions or answers from the questions you already saw, so the moment you open it, you can't see it again, we kind of joked around with the idea of adult diapers. Well, because this exam I'm taking is at home and I don't have proctors and I don't have to go through security, which before the exams, they used to take your fingerprint, but not with COVID anymore, but they you know, they do a wand. What's that called? A metal detector wand. Like a metal detector wand. They check your pockets. They check what's in your socks. They check your wrists. Like, so you don't have anything shoved up there. They check your glasses. So yeah. So I thought, you know what? Maybe we can try adult diapers. So I did a little research, very basic, not too deep because there are some very nice adult diapers out there that are pretty costly. And I'm like, I don't really want to invest like 60 bucks in, you know, 40 pairs of diapers. So I bought like your generic kind of adult diapers and they arrived on Monday. So I was like, you know what? We are going to test them out. I had to pee. So in the middle of our living room, I put on these adult diapers and I peed before I ended finished peeing, they started leaking. So that kind of that idea. So that's kind of like what a typical like Monday afternoon is at our house. No, I'm just kidding. So that's kind of, so we went from like adult diapers on Monday 
to urgent care on Tuesday to ultrasound on Wednesday. And Thursday, yesterday was kind of a low-key day. I don't think anything... It wasn't low-key, it was low energy. Low energy, yeah. Yeah, it was low energy for sure. When I recorded last week's episode again, just to answer your question, no, did I think that I would be testing out adult diapers and going to urgent care? Absolutely not. But I think I handled it well by going to sleep and not freaking out and like studying when knowing I have no energy. There's no way I can absorb any knowledge because it's very counterproductive to do that. Well, for those, you know, the first time listeners or even a new listener, it probably seems like architecture is first and foremost and, and maybe all encompassing in Katarina's life, which is sometimes true, but mostly not. She actually has a, a dual passion in her life, which is Vastu Sastra. And that's something you know that you've come into the past couple of years and has really been a, a big influence in your life recently. Mm-hmm. But you were a fairly young child when when you first decided you wanted to be an architect. You were 10, 11 years old. 10 or 11, yeah. So pretty young, and, and you stayed focused on it, obviously, from 10, 11 years old to 30 has mm-hmm. been your primary professional focus. But you've taken courses in Vastu Sastra. You've done a lot of reading. You've done a lot of research and podcasts and postings all on the subject. If you could travel back to that 11-year-old and whisper in her ear, keeping in mind, Vasu Strasha, although is a very you know ancient following, was not westernized at that point. But would you change that course of your life? Would you prefer to have that be your primary profession at this point? I would definitely whisper in my ear. Gosh, I'm going to get emotional again. Let me just like get it together. Such an emotional episode. I think, would I whisper it back into my ear? Absolutely. On multiple things. I think to answer the question on Vastu Shastra, absolutely. Because I loved to read. Read books, read about far off places. I mean, I went through certain phases where I read all about India and Persia. And then I read a lot about Asia and like South Korea. And then I read a lot about like the Polynesian islands. So I was constantly interested in subjects. And so I think had I known about Vastu Shastra and India and yoga, because I think I took my first yoga class when I was 17. And so had I known all of that, I think I would have been more immersed in it. And I probably would have traveled to India sooner, seeking out that culture, learned more about that culture in depth rather than now where I'm just learning about it through courses, learning about it through books. But I feel like I would have, instead of going to Europe and which to see family, but going on trips there, I would have altered that course to focus more on, I think, India and Indian studies and possibly not even gone to the college I went to, knowing maybe I would have tried to gear more towards Vastu Shastra. The one thing I for sure would have whispered to myself, and actually it's funny you mention it because I was thinking about this a couple days ago, weeks ago, if I could tell myself 
I think this was in reflection to thinking about now that I'm coming towards the end of my licensure and I was in college, my freshman year was 11 years ago, 12 years ago was when I first entered architecture school. I think the thing I would have whispered into my ear is give less of a shit and don't freak out and don't worry about not understanding certain things because I think so much like I could have had so much more creativity and fun in school. The f- fact that I went to a technological school where they kind of didn't hammer into you like structural stuff as much as they could have. I should have been more creative and had more fun. And I feel like I overthought, which we know is an issue for why I'm not passing these exams is I overthink, I overanalyze, I over just overthink too much. And so I think going back to even probably at that 10 or 11, just don't overthink everything these ideas are going to come to you and just kind of have that almost like childlike yearning to learn. And like when you're a child, you learn differently than I think when you're an adult. And so you just kind of, you take information in at a different, I guess, kind of interest because you're just like, oh, I'm just interested in this topic. I remember actually, it's interesting now that I think about it in the sixth grade, this was right before I found out I wanted or around the time I wanted to be an architect is we were learning about Mesopotamia and Mesopotamia is around, I think, current day Afghanistan, Baghdad. I know that's, that's a far reach. I think, I think that's what it, it's Mesopotamia was a very early civilization. And I remember thinking this is such an amazing civilization we had to make like a tour guide book about like how to visit Mesopotamia and like what to see there. And I remember that like a cool area to lit to like learn about. And so I wish also we had learned in school more about that part of the world. And maybe that interest would have come sooner than it did come in my late twenties, because I learned about Vastu Shastra in 2018, 2018. I learned about Vastu Shastra where like the seed was planted. I knew I wanted to do something with yoga and architecture. And that's kind of where I learned about Vastu Shastra. But in short, to answer your question, I know. (laughs) I know, I'm going on all these tangents. But to answer your question, I absolutely would have whispered into my ear at that age, like, hey, focus on this part of the world. There's some interesting things that I think you will kind of like hone in on and really try to dive deep into. And I feel like it didn't come soon enough. But you didn't answer the question. What? The question, would you have diverted? Would your oh, profession would be in oh. Vastu Shastra and not in architecture? Hmm. Would you have substituted one passion for the other? Because, and the reason I'm asking you this mm-hmm. is because occasionally we work together on a project, mm-hmm. but always on helping you study. Mm-hmm. Never is your passion about these intricate codes or these the mechanical calculations and engineering calculations for steel beams or shear values of a specific kind of plywood or the calculations on how much wattage a certain light bulb takes over a you know 24 period so none of that none of the technical portions of architecture appeal to you when you are most enamored with architecture is when you're talking about guiding a client through design or developing an idea or organizing thoughts and palettes and colors and textures. Mm -hmm. The things you tend to gravitate most to in architecture 
seem to be the same components that are shared in Vastu Shastra. So mm -hmm. my question is, could that 11-year-old have gravitated more to that side and still be fulfilled today mm -hmm. and have no architecture background? I would like to say yes, but no because of the pressure to go to a U.S. college and Vastu Shastra is not in a U.S. college. So I think the pressure of just knowing in high school you have to apply to a college in the United States, especially like coming in through as an immigrant and just knowing like this is the place to get the best education. Maybe a part of me would have wanted to, but and it could have been a passion. And I know there's so many of my friends and so many classmates who got pushed into certain degrees that they had to do because their parents wanted it or it just was expected. And so I think I would have probably wanted to, but it comes back down to that degree, the license, that paper. And I think that's where in reality it wouldn't have happened, even though had I wanted to, maybe I would have tried to do like a minor in some sort of studies but it's just not accessible right now in the United States. Because even the courses I take or I've taken, a lot of the ones I do want to take are from India. There is the one course I took, which was from a couple in California, and that was very hard to find, also extremely expensive. So I just don't think even back 10 years ago, I would have had to completely either finish my architecture school and then drop everything and like move to India or something like it would have had to been very drastic. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say I would have changed paths, but I don't believe so because I would wanted to get a degree from a, an American college, American yeah. university. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to adding a little levity to the conversation. Let's fast forward to you've passed the next two exams. What's the first thing you're going to do? Cry. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. 100% accurate. Um, okay, what's the second thing you're going to do? Uh, pop open a bottle of champagne. And then I think, but I know where your, where your question's going. My dream was actually as a gift to myself, because after passing every exam, I gift myself something, whether it's something I wanted, some extravagant gift. Sometimes I bought myself a sweatshirt I like. Other times I bought in myself a beautiful kimono custom made from Bali. So, I mean, it, it's varied, right? I mean, I even bought my drum for one exam. So my goal was for once I passed my exam is to go to India to gift myself that for passing the exams. Given the state of COVID, the world, everything happening right now, the trips we have lined up, obviously our itinerary fills up very far in advance onto how many international trips we can do a year that we're kind of booked up for the next year, year or two. I mean, a trip to India would not happen this year. If next year, it would be a long shot. And so my goal was to go to India to see the Taj Mahal, to experience and possibly take a course in Vastu Shastra. That's what I would have loved to do. But now... What I would do, I know the one thing for sure I'm doing is I'm getting a frame for my diploma and my license next to each other and I'm hanging it right above my desk at work so I can look at it every day. Does that answer the question? I guess now that I'm not going to India, what am I going to do, right? Mm -hmm. My goal is to have my own firm. Well, no, I'm talking like literally. Like literally what am I going to do? You pass the exam. Mm -hmm. 
you passed the California exam today. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing this weekend? Like, what's the first, not like the minute after you find out, but like, what's the thing we're doing that first weekend? Like, that's, that's mm. what I'm asking. Interesting. There's that bonfire I want to have. Yeah, that medieval book burning. <laughs> that's right. I totally forgot about that. I would like to, of course, take out all the plastic rings and I'm not burning like books, books, but like all my study notes, just take everything out of the spring, the spiral ring binder and have a big bonfire and burn everything. That's what we're doing. It's a good thing we know the Laguna Beach Fire Marshal. That's all I gotta say. That's we're, true. We're on good terms with him. <laughs> I don't know if I can say Laguna Beach, but yeah, we can say Laguna Beach. That's fine. We won't say his name, but we're like we're, we're pretty tight with the Laguna Beach Fire Marshal. Yeah, he's awesome. So I think that's what I would do. I right. would have that bonfire. I don't know who's invited. I don't know who I'm going to invite. I don't know if it's just going to be you and I or Bedu or... Any more people to carry books than that thing. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. The amount of money that's gone into this. So I haven't gotten my master's degree. Okay. And my last question is, where are you one year after receiving your license? With my own firm in place as far as the paperwork, everything part-time though, possibly at the firm I'm at now and working on projects locally, building up my client list, but having that flexibility that I want and that I know will allow me to be my highest self in architecture and be my highest, be the highest self architect. Yeah, not like, <laughs> I know that sounds like a joint, like a, a, like high, but like be my highest self and the best self that I can be in what I think is my dharma, which is my soul's purpose on this planet is to be an architect and design homes for people. Because I believe that like we spend so much time in our homes that creating that space is very important and very intimate. Well, those are all the questions that I have. You have anything you want to add to that? Wish me luck. <laughs> Wish me luck. I think I feel confident in this exam. I have studied, not the hardest I've ever studied, but I've read all the books three times over now, so there's no point reading them. I do want to thank my coach. Shout out to Eric from Architect Exam Prep, which he helped me figure out what I was doing that wasn't helping me pass, which was really, I think, pivotal in passing these exams, which is I overthink, I overanalyze, content is not my issue. And I think knowing that and going into this exam, knowing that it's not because you didn't read all the books, it's not because you didn't watch all the videos or do all this, it's because you are just overthinking the questions. And I think having that tool going into this exam is going to definitely change how I approach this exam. I think the background on it too, which I failed to mention is I failed this exam three times last year. And once you fail it three times in a row, you have to wait a year from the first time you failed it. The first time I failed it last year was in May. That's why we're here back in May retaking this exam because last time I failed it was in December. And usually there's a 60 day? 90 day, 60 day waiting period, right? 60 day waiting period before you can take the next exam. So 
And since it's your last national exam, there's yeah. no other exam to study for. And yeah. you cannot take your California exam until you've completed all your national exams. So, so we were stuck yeah. waiting to take this one exam. But in the meantime, you took your exam and passed. Which I did. With Jesse's contractor license exam. So I just got to feed off of your paths and your energy right. and take in, take in tips. I'd like to turn the last question around to you then. Since I'm two weeks out of my test, what would you give me as advice when you were two weeks out of your exam, which I know we had a lot going on at that time. It was really stressful. What would your advice be to me now that you've gone through test taking on the last two weeks? Even mm -hmm. actually right now, we're almost in the last week. We're actually like in the last week. So what would you... What would be your advice? Yeah, well, my advice to you is the same advice I, I always give when we're a week out, which is it's you have to transition from learning material to actually one week out, you, you're not, my, my opinion is you're not focused on learning new material. It's just reinforcing what you know. Really, that's only for the next couple of days. And then my approach is the, the, the last three or four days before the exam is really just becoming mentally prepared to take the exam. At that point, it's not really studying anymore. It's just minor overview of material, conceptually understand the material, relax and become emotionally prepared to take the exam. And that's what was tough for me two weeks before I took my exams. You know, my dad was in the hospital, work was super stressful. It was just, you know, it was a shit show. Mm -hmm. So that for me, that last two weeks was really just kind of like, I was just taking practice tests, practice tests, practice tests. It, it wasn't about trying to learn any new material. It was just trying to just focus on reinforcing what I knew and just accepting that this is what I know and this is the date of my exams. And then I just went for it. But going into it, I had said I had two exams that day and I was just saying, you know, what? I just want to pass one of the two because I could always take the other exam by itself at a later date. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to retake both exams on the same day. So going into it, I had just that, that level of, OK, I'm going to take two exams and I hope I pass one and then passing both on the same day just yeah. kind of just went with it. I know. I remember getting that text message that you passed the first exam. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. After that, I'm like, just, I hope he, did. I mean, at that point it mattered, but it didn't matter in a sense where I was like, yeah, it took all some... the pressure off the second exam, yeah. which the first exam was law and business, which, so, and I was very nervous because I was the first person out of, I don't know, there's probably 40 or 50 people testing the first person to stand up and walk out of the room. And I was like, well, uh, man, that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's nerve wracking, but, but yeah, it went, you know, it obviously passed everything since then has gone well, so took a lot of pressure off. I did have one more question for you. I, I thought of, as you were talking is how do you think my preparation for this exam is different from my past exams? Cause you've seen me go through at least 10 exams, if not, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, more than that at this point. How is it different? That's a good question. How has your approach been different this time? So this time you've done less 
note-taking and typically you do a lot of reading or listening slash watching lectures and taking notes and then you transition notes into handwritten flashcards and then you transition from handwritten flashcards to memorization. This time you have not relied heavily on the video lectures. You've transitioned to a different platform for your study material and you've added coaching to it and you've also used their this company's pre-organized flashcards so you just printed flashcards and we've been using those so i would say probably 90 percent of your flashcards are pre-printed materials so which i don't think that's a positive or a negative because you've like you've said you've taken this exam three times before so it's material you've already covered it's just a matter, I, I think your coach is correct. It's a matter of not overthinking the question, not looking at a question and assuming that NCARB is trying to trick you into supplying the wrong answer. The objective of the question is to prompt you to give the correct answer. So hopefully, you know, that that's how you approach, you know, this, this next exam is it's not a trick and you know i'm trying to trick you by word or overthinking into coming up with some kind of creative solution that they're actually just looking for a very straightforward answer no i agree i think that approach is what i need to hone in on this time well thank you for interviewing me it was an emotional episode i think i cried four or five times even silently over here there were a few times that the listeners won't catch but no I think it's I wanted to shed light on the architecture process and how hard it is and the exams that we go through because every person I talk to from my OBGYN to my eye doctor today like I'm just like anybody any family members even you mentioned you're like I've been in the construction industry for you know like 16 years 16 years and I didn't know architects had to go through this many exams mm -hmm. And the thing is, is architects, you can work at an architecture firm and be a project manager and design projects, but not be licensed. And that's where the difference is. And I want to shed light on that because there is such a difference between licensed architect and legally, you're not supposed to call yourself an architect if you do not have a license. You will get in a lot of trouble for that. And so I think I want to share that information with people too. I think that is kind of why I wanted to do this episode is to let people know that it has not been an easy road to licensure and architects do not get paid a lot statistically when you look at kind of the salaries. And so I think the underappreciation is a lot of, and NCARB has been trying to do better with this is, well, architects love what they do. It's a creative process. Yeah, but we also did a lot of work to get here. And so that's something I want to share with everybody and let everybody know that when I'm licensed, it's a big deal. Oh, that's another thing I said. I told you before, I said, once I get licensed, I'm going to even make reservations, not under my name, under my name, but be like, and I'm a licensed architect. <laughs> I think that's something I've shared with you too. So 
All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned a little bit about the architecture process and kind of give you a little inside peek to what I've been going through the last few years. So I hope it was insightful to you. And now you know more about architecture and what an architect, licensed architect has to go through. So if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and follow me on Instagram at from the honeycomb podcast. Thank you so much. And I will not see you next Friday, but I will see you in June after our well-deserved Belize, my passing of this exam and a camping trip we've squeezed in. So a lot going on. So thank you so much for listening. 